What's up, friends? Welcome to Peloton. We always work this hard because we are Peloton, and together we go far. Remember, you are not alone. I'm right there with you. Progress, not perfection. You've done the hardest part. This is Peloton. Hey, party people. I am Tunde Oyanane, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Fitness flipped a peloton studios original it's the show all about flipping the script on the things that we think we know about fitness today we're going to talk about how we live a full authentic life how you can change yourself by doing so and ultimately how you change the world around you On Fitness Flipped, we're looking at the ways we built the foundation for healthy and happy lives. The key to that, my friends, is more than just our physical bodies. It's how we embody ourselves. How do we get to not only understand, but find the freedom to step into our full and true Cells. I feel like my most authentic self when I'm not censoring myself or my words at all, regardless of the audience. I'm most myself when I forget that there is an audience. It feels good. It feels good both emotionally and physically because I feel free. It also feels like power. Self-expression is a superpower. Because as we'll learn in so many different ways today, and as we're always learning in Peloton classes and within this community, being yourself allows other people to be themselves. That's got to mean something. All right, so here's what's happening on today's episode of Fitness Flipped. We're talking to sociologist Tressie McMillan-Cottom on what it means to society as a whole when people are authentic to themselves. The whole of society when we can own our own shit, right? And then we'll hear from one of my favorite actors of all time, Sterling K. Brown. He's going to share some incredible insights into his journey on self expression. I'm excited about this one, y'all. Let's get into it. Our expert today is the genius Tressie McMillan-Cottom, a writer, sociologist, academic, and MacArthur Fellow. In Thick, her collection of essays published in 2019, she wrestles with race, gender, capitalism, and how they all intersect in today's ideas of beauty. You can catch her current work by signing up for her New York Times newsletter and following her podcast, Here to Slay. You can also catch her right now in this very moment because Tressie is here on Fitness Flipped to talk about the personal and political power of self-expression. One of Tressie's core philosophies of self-expression is that we all carry with us a suitcase that is filled with our cultural repertoire. This suitcase is filled with all of our history, all of our culture, all of our family idiosyncrasies that we draw on to create our sense of self. It's also why being authentic is so varied and looks so different from person to person. 
One of the most important steps towards true self-expression is unpacking that suitcase. Look, I am guilty. I go on trips and it take I I leave the things in my suitcase for two weeks. Like until I like slowly pull out just the things that I need. So unpack the suitcase. Here's Tressie to tell us more about why that unpacking is so key to understanding and revealing our true selves. I think it's so important to recognize that the suitcase or the toolkit that we're born with is not the one we've got to die with. And that, in fact, the human experience is unpacking that thing and trading out the pieces that do not work for pieces that do work. Of the part of the, you know, the cultural melange that is the United States of America, the part that is the most aspirational to me is the idea that the circumstances of your birth do not have to dictate the entire experience of your life. Now, is that easy work? Absolutely not. I just recently sat down both with myself and with my editor. I'm working on a new book. And I told her I'd spent the last year rewriting the narrative of myself. That's what I called it. I said, you know, we all have a story that we tell ourselves, and it is a collaborative story. It's the story of your parents. It's the story of your grandparents. It's the story of the person who picked on you in the third grade. It's the story of the person who broke your heart in the 10th grade. It's the story of the marriage that worked and then the one that didn't. It's the story of the roles that didn't work out for you, parenting, or the stories that did. Oh, look, you're a success at work, you know, professionally. It's this big story you tell yourself. And I say there's a point in everybody's life when you should sit down and revise that story. And so self-expression doesn't always mean living up to the highest self that your toolkit would have you be. It means excavating that toolkit, rewriting the story of yourself, and like setting an appointment with yourself to do it. Because how else are you going to negotiate with the world about what you deserve if you don't know who you are? So the process of self-expression is both an internal and an external one, but it doesn't have to like cage you in. It is this ongoing process of revision that I find the most empowering. And that's what I think this is all about. When I think about empowering myself and empowering other people in a way that respects their identity, I think about how can we give people the space and the tools to revise the story of themselves. That was a word. That was a whole word. So then the question, as we're creating these revisions to our stories, are we handing out the same revised edit to everyone that we come in contact with? In sociology, there's this idea of performativity. That's what we call it. Irving Goffman uh, is the very famous sociologist who came up with this concept. And it's this idea that when we go out into the world, meaning when we leave our safest space, whether for you that's your internal self or you leaving your home, and you just go out into the world, school, work, the neighborhood as you're growing up, that kind of thing, that we are all performing a version of ourselves for the rest of the world. And it's that idea then that we always have in the back of our minds that there is an audience 
the power of self-expression is in knowing the difference between your front stage, the things you perform for other people, and your backstage, that stuff that motivates you, your, your most private internal self, right? And so if we think about how we move through the world and develop the tools, the language, the frankly, the, the autonomy to define ourselves and to express ourselves, I think it's both useful and challenging to think about audience. Um, I think especially if you are any kind of uh, minority person, have a minoritized identity in a dominant majority culture that is not necessarily your own, there's this idea that the audience that is always judging you is a hostile audience, right? That's a hostile audience. And that so much of our performance of ourselves, our front stage gets shaped to engage with a hostile audience, right? Don't take that food to school lunch. They won't understand it, Uh right? Yeah, don't wear that kind of outfit to that social event. They won't understand it, right? Don't play that music. Don't speak in that register or in that dialect, right? Don't speak your natural language or your natural uh, dialect. That when we have that, what we're saying is there is a hostile audience out there. And every time I leave my safe space, my number one job is to perform for that audience. Now, listen, there's a lot of value in that and what we inherit from our parents and our grandparents who teach us that, by the way, right? (laughs) Who teach us that and give us that in our toolkit is what they're trying to do is keep you safe. I'm trying to keep you safe because when you leave home, their authority and control over you and your safety diminishes and they freak out. Right. We do the same thing for our own children and the young people in our lives. We freak out the loss of control. You dropped them off at that strange school. Anything could happen to them while they're in there. Did you give them the right suitcase? Right. That's the the panic. But as we mature and we become ourselves and we become more responsible for our own happiness, the challenge is to honor that people were trying to keep you safe while accepting that not every audience is hostile. Not every audience is hostile. And in fact, as you grow up, something miraculous happens. What happens is you get to choose your audience. You get to choose your audience. That's not the only audience. The audience out there that is hostile to you and your culture and your identity is not the only audience. Do they exist? Sure, but they're not the only people. There are people in this world who will honor your backstage, who share a lot of your backstage, who thinks your backstage is great. Right. And how amazing is it when you can start to drop the curtain a bit between your front stage and your backstage so that being your your true self, you're expressing who you actually are is how you move through your daily life. When you don't have to perform as much for a hostile audience because you're now living your life for the audience that accepts you, for the audience who can actually see you. Yeah, you know the other audience exists and you'll always have to make some concessions. You know you have to, you know, wear pants to work or whatever, right? Okay, fine. But once you take those necessary things off of the table, particularly as you grow up and you get older, I think that's why making time and space over your life to revise your story is so important. Mm, Dropping the curtain between your front stage, front of house, and your backstage, the back of house. Oh, I love it. When we spend less time and energy maintaining those performances, it opens up space to give more energy to the things that truly nourish our souls. 
I think that something that's incredibly important to remember is true authenticity isn't just good for us, for our personal happiness, our mental well-being, but it's good for the world. The impact of dropping the curtain between your front stage and your backstage and accurately identifying who your real audience is for your self-expression is edifying as a personal project. I think necessary for a personal project if you're going to be like a good human being. Uh, It is also the only way anything good has ever happened in our society. I'm serious. The entire premise of something like people power or organizing or collectivism or mutual aid is that people have to realize that their individual experience of the world, that toolkit that they inherited, didn't just happen to them, that it was happening to other people. Other people are having the same experience of the world that you are having. You are a special snowflake in the exact same way that a million other people are special, (laughs) if that makes sense, right? Yeah, you're very special, but so is everybody else in the exact same way. It just looks a little different because what that is saying is that until you can be your authentic self and own the parts of your life where you made decisions and the parts where decisions were made on you or to you against your will, until you're honest about that, You cannot make honest connection with other people. And all people power is, is people who are experiencing life in remarkably similar ways, finally, openly, honestly saying to each other, holy crap, that happened to you too? We should do something about that. That is... That is the civil rights movement. That is the black power movement. That is the farmers movement. That is the women's movement. That is the queer liberation movement. That is everything that has made, in particular, this country live up to its idea of itself that has ever happened in history. It was people sitting in an underground gay bar in New York saying, wait, is this happening to you too? Right? And taking that conversation from a private space backstage out onto the streets, the front stage, building the language for people to talk about themselves in the public sphere. There's this wonderful from like, you know, sort of like mid 20th century third wave feminism uh, that the personal is political. The personal is political. Our personal backstage is always shaped by the politics of the moment which can be so depressing until you realize that your personal experience can also shape the politics of the moment. But for that to happen, you got to realize that your personal experience is just like somebody else's personal experience. And you can't move to that, to being a good person for yourself and for other people until you're honest about who you are. Tressie, are you preaching just to me or is this resonating with everybody? All of the best things in life come from being truly yourself. I believe that. I believe that. Thank you for this and thank you for confirming from a sociological genius point of view that self-expression is truly a superpower. It's a superpower to be free, to be yourself, to trust yourself. Fam, tell me this. How have you been revising the story 
of who you are. And as you've been going in, making said revisions, what has been revealed for you? Maybe it's something about your own wellness rituals or your leadership at your job or your leadership at home in your families. I want to know and I want to hear it. Okay. 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 I'm fine. I'm okay. So this week I got to talk to one of my favorite actors of all time who happens to be on one of my favorite shows of all time. Sterling K. Brown is a three-time Emmy Award winner, a man of multiple firsts. He is the first Black actor to win a Golden Globe for Best Performance by an actor in a drama series. He is also the first Black actor to receive the SAG Award for Outstanding Male Actor in a Drama. He is a husband, a father, and the founder of Indian Meadows Productions, which champions diversity through the development and production of inclusive media projects. (sighs) If that's not enough, he's a profoundly deep thinker when it comes to the expression of one's self. Let's get into it. Sterling K. Brown, how you doing? I'm living my best life, Tende. How you oh, doing, sis? I'm living my best life. I know right you next are. to you. It's, I know it's, you are. Thank you. Life is good. <sighs> life feels good. It feels good to be in this moment, and uh, it's such an honor to be in your presence and to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Today, friends, we are talking about self-expression and authenticity, and how. You, Sterling, how you just being yourself is so powerful. Earlier on the episode, we had sociologist Tressie McMillan Cottom on, and she talked about how being ourselves is something that changes over time. Yeah. And that we can revise our stories or the stories of who we are continuously, almost like the very act of living requires revision. It does. What do you think about that? I I agree with that 110%, you know, and I think over time, it is good to check in with yourself because we create Hmm. these stories that say, like, this is who I am. And we have these definitions of self, you know, I'm a good person, you know, I'm a good son, I'm a good student, uh, you know, I'm industrious, I'm a hard worker, etc. For me personally, like, I never thought I was going to be an actor. I was going to be a businessman. I was an economics major when I went to Stanford University. I had an internship at the Federal Reserve Bank. I did it for a couple of years, and I was bored to tears. And I was like, all right, so what is it that really that thing that excites me? I'd acted in the past. I was like, when I'm on stage, I feel good. And when I acted at Stanford, my other grades got better because I was doing something that lit up my soul. Hmm. I was like, oh, this thing that I thought was a hobby may actually be the thing. And so it took a little bit of courage to lean into that because it was an unpractical choice. But at the end of the day, it was like, no, bro, this is, this is, come with me. You're not listening. Like the universe is telling you something right now and you pushing it away doesn't mean that I'm not going to keep telling you. So just listen and say yes. And so... You have to see what the universe is telling you at different points in time in your life. And you have to have the courage to say yes, because it may not be what the world 
thinks that you should be doing at that point in time. It may not look like it makes sense to everybody else, but that still small voice is saying, like, you know what the truth is. Stop fighting it and just do it. Mm. So I just try to make sure that you find that time of being quiet, of being still, you know what I'm saying, of listening to what the universe is trying to to tell you in terms of what the path is for your life and practice saying yes. And it's easier when you're younger, I think, because you don't have like, oh, well, it's not practical and I got these responsibilities and I got that. But if you start it young, the muscle will get stronger. If you're starting later, it takes more time because you haven't worked that muscle. Um, right. But I, I'm blessed. I was 20 when the first time I made an impractical choice. And so I've been able to make impractical choices throughout life. And I feel like I've had a better life because of it. Hmm. For you to say, like, you're doing this thing that's not conventional, but your soul is on fire. You're able to express. You're able to show up fully in your body. I think that's the thing that we all search for. And when you find it, you can't let go of it because it's so infectious. Yes. I feel like I've arrived in this moment in my life where for the first time I am showing up so freely as my real self, not afraid that my real self will be rejected. And I know that as an artist and as a performer for you, self-expression is key. It's how you show up and do what you do. Sure. Now, for those of us that aren't acting, why do you feel, or in general, why do you feel it's so important to show up um, as your full self and express who you are fully? I'm going to ask you a question first. Because you... From the time that I've been in the Peloton Army, which is for the past two years, I got my bike in the middle of the the pandemic and the lockdown, and I was like, I got to go to a gym. Hmm. I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. From the first moment that I saw you, you seemed to be unabashedly self-expressed. The red lip, the dance breaks in between <laughs> whatever, like, you know, session we were doing, et cetera. So, like, for you, I have to ask, because you don't seem that you've been anywhere other than fully yourself. But you're saying just now you feel like you've stepped into that. Yeah, you know what it was? I think that when I came to Peloton, this space, I feel like I've been slowly testing, almost like when you're younger— And you're dating, you show up as the person that you think that person wants you to be. And so I showed up two years ago at Peloton as who I thought people wanted me to be. I talked how I thought they wanted me to talk. I played the music how I thought that they wanted me to play the music. I programmed and designed my classes how I thought they wanted me to program my classes. I've been open about this, but when I first started at Peloton, I was very intentional about scrubbing my Instagram of anything that I thought was too black. I remember some of my Black Lives Matter posts I archived. It's not something that I'm proud of, but it is something that I did. And I did it not because I didn't believe in what I was saying or posting. It was I didn't want people to perceive me before they got to know me. I wanted to say, hey, come into my restaurant. Don't look at the menu. I'm going to feed you. I didn't want people to look at the menu and say, ah, that's not for me. And as I've slowly been revealing myself, I feel now, I'd say fully in this last year, I've come to the space where I realize that 
if someone doesn't accept me for who I am, they were never my people anyways. Yeah. But I know that the people that do vibe with me now, there's more... It's on an even deeper connection. It's real. It's lasting. Like, it's a re- lasting relationships connections. And so I trust who I am yes. so much that I know that she is good enough in any space, in every space, and all spaces. Speak I trust on that. It. That was beautiful. That was... Oh! You made me happy. Because you only get to the universal through the specific, hmm. right? And the idea of watering yourself down with the hopes of being more attractive to a greater audience is uh, a paradox that doesn't make sense. It's antithetical. Like, it's only through allowing people to see who you really are that they can see who they really are. So it's by being fully self-expressed that you open the door for other people to be fully self-expressed as well. So now I will Mm. answer your question. I think as an actor, every character that you play is you. You're just leaning into different aspects of your own personality. So for Randall, it's a bit more of the dorkier side of Sterling. But I'm not mad at the dorky side of Sterling. Like that's, I'm, I'm good with it. Like I own it fully. I make a fool of myself on a regular basis, and I'm not embarrassed by it in any shape, form, or fashion. Randall's he, a cool dork. Randall's he's a cool, a cool dork. dork you he's know a saying? cool dork. He is a dorkable, is what I like to call it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> he TM. is a dorkable. TM. But I I feel like, similar to what you were just saying, we are, especially when you're younger, you go through these phases of like, how will I be most accepted by people? And it's always sort of like this search for identity. Like, who am I now? You leave high school and you go to college and you're like, all right, now I get to shed that and start over. But then you have the one friend from high school who follows you. I was like, Negro, please stop telling people about stuff back in the day. I'm trying to recreate myself mm. right now. I I think that, I mean, a lot of it has to do with just really coming to peace with who you are as an individual and knowing, regardless of what the world tells you, I think fundamentally that you are worthy and you deserve to be here. And I won't even use terms like good, bad, et cetera, because then you can fall into like a realm of judgment. But sometimes people have a feeling of like, do I deserve this Should I be here? Am I entitled to this air? Uh, And whatever space that is. And I think when you are an individual who believes that you belong wherever you are placed, then it gives you the freedom to be like, sometimes I'm this, sometimes I'm that. And it's not always good or bad or whatever, but it is me. And I know who I am and I'm okay. I think that movement, your body moving movement is in many ways, a celebration of life. It can be a way that your body celebrates life. Yes. We know you work out. I see Randall, you know, running. I've seen, I think I've heard Randall mention Peloton on the show as well. He did. How has fitness allowed you to show up full in your body? I was a high school basketball, football player. Um, A little ultimate frisbee, a little track. I just loved moving. Loved most things with a ball I liked doing. And I play basketball. I've had two knee surgeries, one foot surgery, and they're like, all right, Brown, you're 45 now. Maybe you should do something a little safer. I still still like playing basketball, though. Um, For me, it is a, a lifestyle choice 
that I hope is an example to people who look like me. I will let me articulate that. I'm 45. My father, who passed away when I was 10, was 45 years old at the time of his death. Mm. And I knew at the time that like he was young. But now that I am the age that he was when he passed, I was like, oh, that was way too soon, bro. Yes. And so I have a brother who's 14 years older than me. And he's always telling me, he's like, you know, no men in our family ever lived past 65. And my brother's 59. He's, yeah, 14 years older than me. And I'm like, bro, just because something has been doesn't mean that something has to be. And I do feel like, we black men sometimes having the lowest life expectancy in this country tend to think we can be reckless because what's the point? And I'm here to say that like, you are not a statistic, you are an individual and you have agency over how you live your life and that there's another choice. And so my fitness for me is about, you don't have to deteriorate as you get older. You can maintain or actually get better, have a better quality of life if you are mindful of your fitness and health. And so it's not, look, it's every, look on, the, on the superficial side of things, every once in a while they ask Brown to take his shirt off and I want to give, you know, give, give them something they can feel. So there's that. <laughs> there's that aspect. But the bigger, more holistic thing is that, like, we can live well. Like, we can thrive for years. You don't have to be bent over, curled. You don't have to be in a chair. Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to become sedentary, hmm. right? Which is what you were just saying. It is a privilege. It is a celebration of the body. Every time you get on that bike and you'll say it and Jess will say it and you click in and you're like, hardest part done. Mm -hmm. You showed up. You showed up for yourself, man. I think that so often people forget to show up for themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as taking that first step. So I just want to be a living example of like, Someone who shows up for themselves, not because I'm awesome, but because we're awesome. And if you can see it in me, if I can see it in you, then hopefully other people can see it in themselves. <sighs> that was so good. That was so good. You mentioned that your brother's 59. What's your brother's name? Armand. Armand. Your brother yeah. Armand is 59. No men in your family have lived past the age of 65. I felt that fear in that uh, in 2009, my little brother passed away. Three years after my brother passed away, my dad passed away. Hmm. Three years after my dad passed away and my mother passed away. Lord. And I remember coming up on the next three-year mark after I lost my mom, and I'm looking around at my family that's left. My two brothers, my four my nieces and nephew. And I remember I went to my brother, who at the time was obese, and I begged him, please don't be next. Please take agency over your body. I got him a Peloton. <laughs> Told him, you know, how to eat, what to eat, how to work out, when to work out. He lost over 100 pounds. He's stronger. He's healthier. He feels good in his body. 
But I acknowledge that fear. I acknowledge that feeling. Yeah. And it's a lot. And like you said, specifically within the Black community. Yeah. And this feeling of, well, this is just how it is. Yeah, I felt that. I felt wow. that. Yeah. Good Thank for you. you. What's your brother's name? Tony. Keep it up, Tone. Handle your business, <laughs> bro. You just made me the coolest sister. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> so a couple of moments that I want to still spend here. So not only are you a dad, somebody's husband, and an actor, you're also a producer with your Indian Meadows production company. I am so curious because this is such a pivotal moment for Black representation yeah. in media. As a Black storyteller, as a Black producer, what are you most excited about right now? And what themes are you seeing in your work right now? So to be a Black creative and to be someone who can help shepherd in new voices— and, and for me, Black voices, Latino, Native American, Asian, female, disabled, etc., means the world to me because I feel like we finally reached a point in storytelling where, number one, mainstream society recognizes the financial viability of diverse stories, and that, two, people who are of the mainstream have reached a place where they can see themselves in diverse stories. The same way that we enjoy the parasites and 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 all these other stories, uh, Minari, what have you, like, I, I want that for all of us. And, and to come full circle with what you were just talking about, and it is in the full expression of all these stories that folks are able to see themselves right? That everybody can see themselves. I watched something like the movie that came out a couple of years ago, The Farewell. And it was about a Chinese girl going to see her grandmama. Her grandmama had cancer, but nobody in the family told her that she had cancer and they thought she was going to die soon, but she wound up living for like, uh, she's still alive hmm. because in her mind, she wasn't sick. And in the West, it's like, we're like, well, you have to tell somebody the bad news. And sometimes the bad news becomes this thing. The point of the whole story is that it was a very Chinese, culturally specific story. But it made me remember that I love my grandmama too. So I'm all about the universal being addressed through the specific. And there's projects that I got going on. There's a, a limited series for Hulu coming up called Washington Black that we're in pre-production for right mm, now. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, about a little slave boy in Barbados who escapes his plantation on a flying machine, and then they crash land on a pirate ship, and then they go to the States, and they get chased by a slave catcher, and they have to go to Nova Scotia, and then they flee to the wow. Arctic. Like, it becomes this globe-trotting event. And I'm honestly, I'm dying for, like, the stills of this little black boy that we cast and pictures of him in the Arctic. You don't see uh. little black boys in the Arctic. Like, that's just like shit that you don't see. And these images will reshape the framework of where we belong, right? Like, I love that we can belong anywhere. And my wife is, will disagree with me a little bit, but I'm, I'm looking forward to eradicating the idea that certain things are white people shit. 
Mm. I'm looking forward to eradicating and putting ourselves in spaces and be like, oh, you know, if Sterl can do it, I jumped out of plane a couple of times. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go, you know, snorkel. I'm going to get a scuba Black diving people license. snorkel. That's what I'm saying. I love the snorkeling. We snorkel, we swim, and all these other things. And so just putting us in spaces where it's like we can belong anywhere we want to be. That's, hmm. that's what I want to do. Wow. Sterling K. Brown, thank you so much. What a soul-fulfilling hour this has been. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I just want to take a moment to reiterate Mr. Brown's words. We belong anywhere and we belong everywhere. We belong anywhere and we belong everywhere. And the minute that you become the most free, most full version of yourself, that's the minute that you will start to see yourself in all those spaces, whether it's in the ocean snorkeling or on the center of the stage or on the top of that leaderboard. Thank you, Sterling K. Brown. Thank you for that insight, sir. Oh, so much to digest from today's episode. I love this part just because I like saying it. It's time to tune in, turn on, and tap into... Tunde's final thoughts. What I'm hearing, and it's so loud and so clear from Tressie and Sterling, is that living authentically and fully expressed is just as key to our health and our wellness as any other aspect of our physical selves. I think that authenticity is the intersection of trust and truth. When you trust yourself enough to show up as you truly are, move in your truth, walk in your truth, talk in your truth, you tap into the most beautiful and the most authentic version of yourself. I think that is freeing. And when you're able to move into that new space, new setting in your life, then it removes some of the weight, some of the heaviness, some of the burden that we place on ourselves. And thus, to go back to this idea that both Tressie and Sterling hit, which is that living authentically and fully expressed is just as key to our health and wellness as any other physical aspect. When you remove that heaviness, that weight... I think just by virtue of being able to move more freely, you feel good. I think it feels good. Hmm, I know it feels good to be myself. I know that it feels good to be myself. I feel most free when I'm myself. Yeah, there's like the initial jitters of, am I doing the most? Am I being too much? Am I turning people off? But once you push past that initial angst, if you will, I step into this feeling of freedom and feeling free, being free, moving free, speaking freely. That feels good. It just feels right. feels good. Take a moment, drop those shoulders, and as Robin would say, adjust your crown. For me, it's the moments where I remind myself whose daughter 
I am. Maybe there's power in that, like remembering my family crest. And if I can't show up for myself, then I show up for my ancestors. All right, folks, it's time to wrap it up with our weekly challenge. Let's take the first steps to unpacking that suitcase, shall we? Look down at your suitcase. What are you keeping? What are you letting go of? What's a class you've told yourself that you just can't do? Hmm, probably starts with a T and ends with a bata. Maybe, just maybe, this is the week that you jump into Peloton's Get Hooked boxing program. I'll throw that one out there for you to hook. Get it? Anyways, tell me. We want to hear about it. You can keep in touch by finding me at Tomb to Tomb Day and at One Peloton. We are hashtag fitness flipped. For even more fun challenges just like this, download the Peloton app to take all of our classes. And next up, our podcast stack. I'll see you all back here later this week for our member story. It's a man that many of you may recognize from Cody's Boo Crew. He's got really great advice for anyone out there who is building up the courage to truly be their best, our best selves, and live fully and totally out loud. It's a great day, y'all. Go out and be great. Fitness Lift is a production of Peloton Studios. It is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Our senior producer is Sarah Pellegrini. Our development producer is Alana Levinson. And our production manager is Shelby Sandlin. Fitness Flip is sound designed by Pedro Rafael Rosado. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Special thanks to Jen Cotter, Janie Herbert, Laura Petro, Amanda Hill, Danielle Mills, Tony Calandra, DJ John Michael, and Alexis Duncan. 